Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present. Brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, www.ihconvention.com. The following sermon was preached back in 1996 by Amos Han and is a needed reminder for our day. He titles it, Hell. I know you'll enjoy this message. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Are you glad you know who Jesus is? Amen. Stand for you, please. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Boy, am I ever glad to know that's going to happen. The devil that deceived them. Amen. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Lord Jesus, add your blessings to thy word. We pray, O oh Lord, the enemy can be defeated another time. We know you've got more power than he does. May it be, O oh Lord, that tonight you can shove him back. No, Lord, let there be that, make it easy as possible for them to mind you and, oh, Lord, come to thee and find that joy and peace and victory, sins forgiven, hearts cleansed and sanctified and purified, and allow the blood of Jesus to, to, to produce the, that what is needed in every heart and every life, that powerful blood that can not only forgive us of our sins and cancel and the old rotten past, but can cleanse and purify and cleanse our heart. Bless now, we pray tonight. May this service be what you want it to be in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach a little while tonight on hell. I don't like the subject. I don't like to even think about it, but it, we need to be reminded now and then. But I'm glad that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Amen. It's not God's will that anybody go to hell. Peter tells us in the Bible, for God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God. And God has made it possible. Let me tell you, heaven's gonna be big enough. God made it that way. Big enough for every single person who ever lived. Heaven big enough for all of us. You don't have to worry about heaven being too small and it's going to have to be enlarged. No, no, no. But the Bible, if you go back over in, the, in, in uh, Isaiah, you're going to find that hell has had to enlarge itself because God didn't mean for us to go to hell. He intended all of us to go to heaven. In fact, 
Dr. R.E. Carroll, God bless his memory, as he was a professor at our Bible college there in Indiana. Remember, he got up one day in chapel and said he'd been studying and thinking about heaven and, and how God had prepared it and what a size, what a big place it was. And by the dimensions that the Bible gives us, he said that really, uh, as he figured it out, and you know how those great scholars can do it, and I like to hang around them and then I can quote them, you know, whatever. So anyway, he said, he said that heaven big enough that there would be room for 793 trillion mansions with 10,000 square feet in every one of them. Wow, that's a pretty good sized place. 10,000 square feet. What's the average home? 1,500, 1,500, 2,000 feet. That's a pretty good sized house in, in this day. But he said that the dimensions that the Bible gives us that heaven is, that could be 793 trillion mansions with at least 10,000 square feet in each one of them. Hey, man. Oh, my. To think about heaven, God wanted everybody to go. Yes. And so he reminded us and told us, you know, ever since Adam and Eve, right from the very beginning of man, how many has ever lived? Well, at this point, we're probably right about 65 to 70 billion people. That's all that's ever lived. We haven't even got the first trillion yet. And heaven's big enough, 793 trillion. I believe it's big enough for all of us. Hey, man. May God help us to see that God is not trying to be mean. God loves you. God cares for you. He's interested in you. He wants you to make it to heaven. But for those who fall for the tricks and the deception of the old devil and will leave Jesus Christ out of their life and will reject the commandments that God gives us, yes, hell has had to enlarge itself. And seemingly almost daily, it seemed like hell is being enlarged for those intruders. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. But we human beings, those who have rejected Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Calvary and the provision that God has given us, so it is, we'll have to populate hell. Just for a few minutes, I don't want to go very long, but let's, Make you a list. I mean, in your own mind, when you start to think about hell, try to remember and list those things that will not be in hell. The very top of my list, I put babies. I love children. Oh, I love them. We had four. We got 11 grands now, man. They get grander and grander. But anyway, and uh, I, I, I and thank God in his great plan of redemption He's not holding accountable those that are not, have not reached the age of accountability, but the blood and the atonement of Jesus covers and takes care of them, even though they're born sinners, yet the atonement of Calvary takes care of those babies. Jesus loves them. There are no babies in hell. Those ones that blossom and bloom and cheer the home, there won't, won't be any of them. I, I can remember, I, I, I like them. I, they, when I, would, I remember in Newcastle, we would, uh, we would come back after we'd been calling or maybe going on revival and come back and, uh, the, and the first one that would see us driving the driveway 
said, Daddy's at home, and here they'd come running, and I mean the big ones would grab high and the little ones would grab low, and I just liked every bit of it. I liked it all. I, 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 I like babies. I like children. I like young people. I, I, I love every one of you. Jesus loves you. And he, it's, it's God's plan. There won't be any babies there. Next on my list, and I don't know what you could fix your own, but there won't be any water in hell. Boy, you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? I mean, and the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and begged that Abraham would send Lazarus just with a little bit of water on his fingers just to touch his parched tongue. Now, that little drop of water wouldn't do any good. Only symbolic of no mercy, none whatsoever. This is the day of mercy. Now is the time of opportunity. This is where God's mercy is extended to you. Not one drop of mercy will there be in hell. I, I don't, you, I, I can, you can hardly imagine. I mean, uh, cravings, a, a drop of water. I can remember back right up here, wherever, whichever direction it is, Kansas is up here somewhere, and that's where I was born and reared and whatever. So, and uh, we'd be hot. My, I remember we got hot, a lot hotter than this. I remember those times in the summertime place we're out there plowing in the field and give up to 110 degrees. That's, that's the thermometer out there. But I mean, on that old plowed field, you can just watch those heat waves bounce across that plowed field and then the exhaust of the tractor blow back in your face. I mean, dried out and hot. Hey, we had, we had back there an old vinegar jug old gallon vinegar jug and we tied a gunny sack around it. Now some of them don't even know what that is, but I can do here to burn that bag if you go far enough south. But anyway, an old gunny sack, we put, wrapped that around that old, that old uh, jug and then we put hog rings and, and stood a ring in the nose of the hog to keep them scooting under the fence. Well, we put those rings around that old gunny sack. I mean, we'd get the deep well that we had and put cool water in it and saturate that old bag around that and take it out and set it in the fence row underneath an old big sunflower or something like that. I didn't have any trees, but anyway, set it in, in the fence row. Then, boy, you'd get thirsty. You wouldn't go very many rounds out there hot as it was. And I mean, you, you can remember where you set that water jug. Get over there, you know, and just, just set that thing right right there in the in the in the crook of your arm and tip it up. No, 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 no. Oh boy. Wow. I mean fresh. I can remember one day I filled the jug, I got it all saturated, set it down on the well curb, and went to the field without that thing. Oh my. When I realized I'd forgotten it, I went as far as I could go. I knew my dad wouldn't be there for four hours, for we took turns. For every four hours, we'd, we'd run the tractor. I'd take it four hours, he'd take it four hours. I would for four and he would for night and day. Clear around the clock, we would take fly on that tractor. And I knew he wouldn't be there four hours. There's no way I could make it four hours. I stopped the tractor, walked clear across the field, got back to that jug over there on the well. I couldn't go without it. But part of the torture of hell would be that no water, no mercy in that place. Be, oh, if we could only, only realize how merciful God is to us right now. There won't be any holy Christians in hell. Those, you know, that kind of pester you and bother you and tell you, say, you know, I'm praying for you or afraid maybe somebody might, might say something to you. Say, wouldn't you like to be a Christian? Wouldn't you like to pray? Don't you think you ought to come to the altar? Whatever, you don't need to worry about them anymore. They won't be there. 
those that have bothered you or whatever, no, there won't be any true, holy, sanctified Christians. They will not be in hell. So those that have bothered you, forget about it. They're not there. There won't be any conviction there, Holy Ghost conviction for the Spirit of God will not be there. And so that that's bothered you, and I mean as the preacher's preached, and I mean you've resisted, and you've tried to make everybody else think that you're okay. I mean, it would even grip the seat in front of you so that, uh, and your knuckles would even turn white. I mean, resisting the pull of God's Spirit. Oh, don't worry about it anymore. No, that, that won't be in hell. There won't be any Spirit of God that's pulling and working on your heart. Not there. Not at all. Now, I think you're going to find that your own conscience and your own memory will be that that will haunt you and will convict you and preach to you like a preacher has never preached. I mean, we can miss something that you might be doing, but God, but, but your memory and your conscience will be reminding you of what you did and refused to do to, to live for God. That will be torture of hell. There won't be any worldly fun there. The stuff and the things and the gadgets and the trinkets and, and all whatever it might be in this old world that you think that you need more than you need Jesus, it won't be in hell. That's only been something the devil has used. There won't be any cigarettes there. There won't be any booze there. No, there won't be any ugly, nasty videos. Uh, there, there, there won't be any, any drugs of that. No, no, no. Those things have only been things that the devil has used of this world. But it won't be there. I mean, you may be craving it and you may be longing for it, and, but it's not there. A part of the torture of hell, all, all that is there. Well, make your own list. Go on down. There's those things that will not be in hell. But on the other side, make a little list of some things that may be there. At the top of my list, I put church members. How many have thought maybe because they belong to this church or they joined here or they got baptized and was a member of that church or they shook hands with a preacher? No, nothing wrong with any of that, but that's not what saves your soul. That's not what gets you to heaven. It can't be church members, oh, plenty of them, no doubt will be in hell. Yes, preachers, preachers and singers. I mean, God, as you know, will be in hell. I mean, hey, we're just as human as anybody else. We've got to read our Bible and pray and walk in the light of God and be obedient to him like anyone else. Plenty of preachers will be in hell and singers, those that have sung and blessed. I mean, what, they've got to have a pure heart to make it into heaven and escape that terrible place. Professing Christians, those who would might like to make you think, but they will be there, those who do not have the goods. The devil himself is there. The very one who deceives you, and I mean pulled you down, he himself, who wants to live with him? There he will be in that terrible place. Men, rich men, popular men, praying men, fearful men, all those will be in hell for a terrible, terrible place. Also in hell, what keen senses you will have. Keen senses. I mean, you think you may know what pain is like here but I mean, if you could magnify that, recognize that, oh, uh, the keen senses, how it hurts, for he was tortured and was tormented in that terrible, terrible place. Ladies, take your pressing iron, that pressing iron and, and sleeve up, bear, put that on your bare arm. Red hot, hot as it'll go, heat as high as it'll go. Oh, 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 you talk about pain. Absolutely. 
but it'll cool off when it leave a scar. It'll cool off, but, but not in hell. I mean, pain that will never subside, never stop, never cease. I mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't even fathom. There's no way that you can think of anything bad enough to be able to describe hell. Man, take, you remember the old fashioned, the old fashioned soldering iron, not the electric on the over that you'd heat it till she's white hot in the, uh, and uh, start that, start that hot as it can possibly be right out of the fire and start that in your stomach till it comes out your back. Ooh, you can't take much of that. Hey, oh, Mother Nature is good to us. You'd, you would faint, you'd become unconscious. You can only, this whole body can only stand so much pain. God has built in that unconsciousness until, until out we would go, but not in hell. For there, it tells us, the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Constantly, continually, there is that hurting, that pain, that agony, that feeling that you will feel all of it. But oh, remember, remembering the chances and the influences that you had had back on or oh, the torture of that place. No, it's not worth it. It isn't worth it. Wake up and realize where you are and what you need to do. Let others do or go and say whatever they want to. But I mean, let God give you the strength and the power to resist and say no and shove aside that that is evil. Don't go there. No, it's not God's will that you go there. You'll have to do it over all that God can do at camp meetings and services like we've had. And thank God for these that have responded already. God bless you. Hold steady. I'm not just trying to scare you tonight. I'm trying to warn you and I'm trying for you. I want you to see how important it is that you yourself win your neighbor, win your brother, win your sister. Get them, don't let them go to this place. You too are responsible for those that are around you. May God help us to see it. What about the duration of hell? How long is it gonna be? Well, well, there's no end. There's no second chance. This is your opportunity right now. Hell forever. Sealed forever. Sealed forever. You can't fathom it. King Saul. King Saul in the Bible. Remember, King Saul, yes, was chosen as Israel's first king, but then backslid and went down and disobeyed God. And I mean, even called for the witch of end or whatever, but fell on his own sword, committed suicide, and is in hell tonight. What's it been? 2,500 years, 3,000, close to it. Years ago, that King Saul went to hell. But to him... Not one split second has passed, for there's no end. 2,500 years ago, King Saul, what is the worst thing about hell? Is it the torment, the torture, the pain? No, no, he said to think, for me to stop and think that I came to this place 2,500 years ago and I'm not one split second closer to the end than I was when I came here 2,500 years ago. No end, no end. Please be careful with these fleeting moments of opportunity that you have in services like this. Please recognize 
how vital they are that God has come across your path. His spirit is here to be sealed forever. Let your imagination run. Run, let it go wild. I mean, think as bad as you can think. You'll still never think bad enough for the torture and the agony of hell. On the other side, hey, can you, you will never be able to think how good heaven is. You won't be able to think, you no way will you be able to get into your mind all that God has prepared for them that really love him. Think, I mean, imagine, go as far as you can. You can't think of enough of God's love and mercy and goodness and glory and blessing, all that he has in heaven. Tremendous, oh, so get your, get your imagination going. Let it go. You'll never be able to think of enough for heaven, but you'll never be able to think bad enough. You'll never be able to think of enough torture and agony. In a, that's what is in the devil's hell. Could it be in our imagination? We might be able to some way picture a little bit. No way could we ever draw that picture. But I mean, could we picture in our mind's eye maybe a bottomless pit? That's what the Bible says. Can you see that cap on that hole or whatever? Might be wherever hell is. I don't know where. It doesn't really matter. It's there. And I mean, could you see that cap on hell? Could it be if I had some help, might get somebody to help lift that cap off and set it aside that we might be able to see maybe or here, get a tell, whatever. And maybe as we could scoot that lid over to the side, smoke would roll forth, screams, yelling, screaming, crying, wailing of souls that are lost, souls that are damned, those souls who thought there'd be another camp meeting, thought there'd be another opportunity, thought there'd be another chance. They're in hell tonight. Never will they ever be able to get out of that place. Little did they realize the choice they made at that time that they'd ever end up in that place, but there they are. Can you hear the wails of that swirling mass, whatever it might be? And maybe as the light from the outside might bear in and shine in, could we maybe take a look, maybe coming to the top of that mass, a man, a grown man, if you please, coming up, sir, sir, could we ask you a question? Right quick, why are you in hell? Why did you make the choice? Somewhere you had to choose. Somewhere, so God didn't send you there, I know. It had to be a choice of yours. What happened? Why would anybody with a right mind ever choose to go to a place like that? Why are you there? And could it be, maybe, I don't know. He might holler back, I never intended to come here. I thought someday I would be a Christian but I just kept putting it off. I just kept putting it off. I thought maybe the next revival, maybe the next time when God's Spirit would deal with me another time, but not tonight, not now. And that's all, really. I, I didn't intend to go to hell and I didn't realize that my opportunity would slip and it's gone, but here I am, I'm sealed. I'm doomed, I'm damned, I'll never get out. Preacher, if you've got any influence at all, Tell those grown men, tell them it's not worth it and tell them, let them say whatever they want to, but tell them to take their stand and go with God. Don't come to this place and maybe the swirl. Take him under and we'd look and hear, hear the cries of a grown man who never really intended to go to hell, but he's there. He's there with so many, 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 many more. 
Could there be a lady come to the top? Yes, could be. A lady, a nice-looking lady that you are. Why are you in hell? Why? Where was it that you made your choice? You made a decision somewhere. Why are you there? Could it be maybe? I was just waiting for my husband to get right. I thought we ought to be a Christian together. It would be too hard to live it all by myself. If my husband could just, if my husband could get right, I, I would, but he just kept putting it off and he wouldn't do it. And so I, I really can't say that God didn't deal with me. I can't say that I don't know any better. Now I realize standing before God to give an account, not of my husband, no, I've given account of my own choice and my own decision. And here I am, I'm sealed, I'm doomed, I'm damned, I'll never get out. Preacher, preacher, if you've got any influence over ladies with families or whatever, do your very best to convince them not to put it off, not to wait for a husband. I realize I had to give an account for my own self, not for my husband or for my children, but for myself. Preacher, do your best to persuade them not to wait for another single service and maybe this world would take her under. Wait, probably not very long. A teenage boy coming to the top of that mass. What is it? You, a nice-looking young man, teenager, your life out there before you, why? Why would you ever choose to go to a place like that where you'll never get out? It's sealed wherever. Teen, teenager, why are you there? And could you hear the wail of a teenage, fine-looking young man? Somewhere in a, the devil lied to me. He told me to have a good time while I was young. When I was older, I could be a Christian. Don't need to get worried about it now. No sense in getting excited. Don't let him scare you. And I listened to the enemy. I intended to be a Christian, but I thought I had a life before me. But a carload of us boys coming home from the ball game, we didn't see the oncoming train hit our car and mustered us out. We were strong and healthy bodies, had no reason to die, but I mean ushered out into eternity, and here I am sealed, thinking I had lots of time to get right with God sometime, but I kept putting it off, thought I had plenty of time to do it now, preacher, I'm sealed, I'm doomed. I didn't realize it was God's spirit that dealt with me, that that was my last chance, my last opportunity, preacher, if you've got any influence at all over teenage boys, talk to them and deal with them. Speak to them. And could they hear a warning from a teenager like them from hell that they would not put it off any longer thinking that there's plenty of life even though they may be healthy and strong. Accidents are happening. Preacher, do your best. I'm so sorry. I put it off and maybe the world will take him under. I don't know. Pitiful. Beautiful teenage boy, maybe coming to that mass, the top again, a teenage girl. Why are you a nice looking young lady as you are with your life before you, opportunity that's out there, and here you are in hell. Somewhere you had to choose. Somewhere you had to make a choice. Don't tell me God's spirit didn't deal with you because I know my God is faithful. I know his spirit is faithful. Why are you in hell tonight? Others running loose, and yet there you are with never, never, never again an opportunity to get out of that place. Preacher, I never intended to come to hell. I was going to be, but I, 
I was so timid and back whatever. I just couldn't stand to think that I would have to be different from the world. I just didn't think that I would, that I, I, that I had to be so much different to be a Christian. And I'm going to give it up. And, and I had plenty of time. And later on, when it really didn't matter how I looked or where I went or whatever would go, well, then, then it wouldn't matter that much. And so I could later on, but now, but I didn't realize. I didn't know. Preacher, the devil lied to me, letting me think there's plenty of time. But where we live, tornadoes were very prevalent. And one came through and took our house. I was in. I was gone. I had no plan whatsoever. I aimed to be a Christian later on when it wouldn't, be, wouldn't stand out so bad because I wouldn't have to go to school. I wouldn't have to look different and be different and act different. And, and, but the devil lied to me. And and the tornado came. Accident came. I'm gone. I'm sealed. I'm doomed. I'm damned. I'm lost. Preacher. Preacher, do your best if you can to convince teenage girls it's not worth it. Eternity's too long. This is a terrible, terrible place. Do what you can, preacher, to warn those teenage girls to take their stand. Be different. Stand for God. Don't be ashamed of Jesus and the difference that Christ can make. I don't know. I have no idea. That's what any of them would say. But I have an idea that if we could talk to any of them that are there tonight, there would be something pretty similar, something pretty close that would try to warn moms and dads, teenagers and young people. I imagine there'd be plenty if they would be able to talk to us. They would be saying and begging, begging, don't come. When I was your age, teenager, camp meeting, Wichita, Kansas, whichever way that is, which way is north? I don't know where it is. Anyway, Wichita, Kansas. Old Bishop Kendall. So you know this years ago. Bishop Kendall, I've never forgot. I never will forget it. Never will. Bishop Kendall of the Free Methodist Church was one of the evangelists in that, in that camp meeting. He's telling how he was holding an old-fashioned tent revival in the state of New York and said, they set up the tent and he was the evangelist and said, uh, a lady, an older lady came up to him and said, Bishop Kendall, said, I want to request prayer at the beginning of this camp meeting for my son and his fiance. They're fixing to get married. Nice lady she is, but they need God. They're not a Christian. I want you to help me pray for them that this could be the revival. This could be the tent meeting that they would get in and find God. They sat right under the flap of the tent, right over to his left. They were courteous and kind. Bishop Kendall said, the very last night of that tent revival, something he hardly ever did. He just hardly ever, ever did it at all. But when he gave the altar call that night, said it felt like there was somebody's hand right in his back pushing him from that platform. And he went down that aisle and stopped to that young man and said, wouldn't you like to pray? He knew his mother. He knew him. He knew he wasn't trying to embarrass him. But he stopped, wouldn't you like to pray tonight? He said that young man stiffened himself and folded his arms and gritted his teeth and wouldn't even say thank you, would say nothing. I mean, so disgusted that that preacher would come to him and be an embarrassment right to the last night of that tent revival. 
He said he leaned right on over the young man and spoke to his fiancee, the young lady. Said, wouldn't you like to pray? And he looked and she began to weep and to cry and looked at her boyfriend, her husband-to-be, back to the preacher, saying, no, I can't. As if to say, he doesn't want me to. Or he, he won't let me, whatever. She didn't say that, but it, it, I, I can't. He left him, he came back to the platform, continued the altar call. Many were coming, many coming to the altar, finding, finding victory. But he said again, that same, it felt like a hand, right in his back, pushed him. And he went back. This time that young man stiffened himself, did the very same thing. He leaned over to the young lady, wouldn't you like to go ahead and pray? I, I can't, looking at him, tears in her eyes, as if to say, he doesn't want me to, or no, he won't let me, whatever. He said, I don't know why I said what I did. I didn't know at that time. But I just said to that young couple, all I said is, you, you do not know what it might mean to your future. But still no move. You're not gonna scare a teenager? No, don't scare a young person. I mean, back he came, closed the surface. They began to pray at the altar. That young couple slipped out from under the flap of the tent, out of their car, moved away and gone. I'm not positive, I think it was about a month or two months, I don't know, just a short time. He was in a revival in the very same state of New York, but about 90 miles or so away. And after the service had already started, in walked that young man's mother back there. So after the service, he came up to Bishop Kendall, said, I've got to have your help. I've got to have your help. What do, you, what do you mean? What's the matter? Said, you remember my son and his fiance? Oh, yes. He sure remembered. He'd been praying for them. Said, just a couple weeks ago, a week ago, we'd been planning a trip, a vacation trip to Colorado. And uh, our daughter was going to go with us, but he... They were sitting together in our sofa, on a sofa in our living room and all of a sudden, as they were talking how they could keep in contact by phone or by letter or whatever while they were separated, <clears throat> she, she spoke up and said, I'm going to leave you. Yes, he said, I know that, but, but you'll be back. And they talked just a little bit longer and again she spoke up, I'm going to leave you. He thought that was kind of odd. Yes, that, I, I understand, I know but you will be back. Oh, she said, hey, I forgot my handkerchief. They'd already packed. Forgot my handkerchief. She got up from where he was, walked up the stairs into the back bedroom, and there pulled out a dresser drawer, and out of that drawer a revolver, stuck it in her mouth and pulled the trigger. When he heard the shot, he ran up those back stairs. Into that, there she was on the floor, dead, gone. But Bishop Kendall, he came straight home. He went right to his room. Said he didn't even take his clothes off. He just laid diagonal right across the bed. We haven't been able to budge him. That's been a solid week now. He hadn't had one drop to drink. He hadn't had one bite to eat. He wouldn't budge, not even for the funeral. He wouldn't come out of that. We can't get him out. He's gonna die right there. Would you come and help us? Oh, no, no, no. Surely you wouldn't want me to come and him remember that service back there just a month or two ago? Surely, no, 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 no. But Bishop Kendall, he's gonna die. We don't have any way. Everybody's done their best. 
Surely you'd be glad. God might be able to use you. Whatever, couldn't you come? Much begging, finally, he gave consent. They drove in silence for such a solemn thought. As they got to the place, they showed him the room. They stayed in the living room and on their knees to pray. As he came and opened the door and stepped in the room, he saw that form laid out diagonal across the bed. He pulled the door shut behind him, and when that boy heard that door click behind him, he just had enough strength in what he had left. He turned his head to see who it was, and when he saw it was Bishop Kendall, said with what strength he could muster, every bit he had left in his body, said he raised up on the bed, and he screamed at the top of his voice, Oh my God, Brother Kendall, she's in hell, and I'm to blame. He didn't have anything to say. He wasn't there to condemn him. He would he was wanted to help him. What could he say? He only just breathed a prayer. And what that boy could do is some way build enough strength again to scream. They heard it clear through the house. Oh my God, Brother Kendall, she's in hell, and I'm to blame. Recognizing that it was his fault. She would have. It was his influence. Not realizing, young, plenty of time, going to get married, all plans out there. And now realizing she's gone, gone for good, never, ever be back. Oh, if God could some way help us to realize the influence that we have on those that are closest to us, whether it be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or whether it be a son or a daughter, whether it be a brother or sister, I, whoever. I mean, let us not be responsible for somebody else going to hell. Let's not stand in anybody else's way. And whosoever name is not written on the Lamb's book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Would you stand, please? Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. Keep passing it on.